It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Uh, we're going to, in just a moment, we're going to get started on the message. We got Pastor Brian and Karen Travail are going to be ministering the word of the Lord today. And uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, but just before we do that, I just want to want to remember that the tithe is holy unto God. And it says to bring the tithe even into the storehouse. And so I just want to encourage you this day uh, that if you want to, you know, give into Inspiration 9, give into uh, you know, the house of God, that you can do such. Uh, there is a, an offering uh, bucket, I guess, in the back, and uh, you can do that, or you can give online through info, uh, through e-transfer at info at i9church.com. And so, Father, I just want to bless the, the tithes and the offerings this day, Lord. I pray, Father, that for those who are giving into it this day, that the seed that leaves their hand would just go forth and that it would prosper and bring back abundance into their lives. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we give with a cheerful heart this day. And I just pray, Lord God, that you were just with us, that, Father, that you were just blessing, Father, those last this day in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, we are on a series right now called Salvation Brings. And uh, today's uh, message is going to be on Salvation Brings Compassion. And Pastor Brian and Karen Travail are going to come up right now. And uh, let's give them a warm, a warm welcome. This is the first time that they are ministering here at I-9, and we're really excited to have them up here. And uh, they're going to continue at this point without right. me. Thank it's you very much, yours. Pastor Brian. Thank you. All right. Got to share the podium, honey. I like this side. Here. Well, good morning, I-9. Okay, I'll try it over here. Good morning, I-9. That's better. We'll give you one more chance. Good morning, I-9. Well, you know, it's funny because having to preach the message on compassion, how many know your compassion might just get tested because that's just the way God sometimes works, right? I'm not really proud of this uh, little story I'm going to share, but I'm going to store a little, I'm going to share a little story. Um, this week, I, I got into a conversation that I'm not really proud of, and I'm not really proud of the way I acted, and uh, I started to go down a road uh, that started in judging people and looking at them like less than me. And what I realized, what God was showing me through that is, as I looked at others in that frame of mind and, and in the view of my vision, which was limited, by the way, I was diminishing my ability to have compassion. So I had to repent. I even went to the person and just repented and apologized. But I think it's important to understand that subtle things, subtle little things can really attack our ability to feel and to administer compassion to others. All right? So with that... I'll get started with my introduction. I just wanted to thank the uh, worship team as well. You know, I, I don't know if anybody's seen me, but I was writing up a storm through most of the worship because they kept hitting stuff that is really part of our message. I really felt like they preached our message already, and then Pastor Brian and Sherry got up, and I think they finished it all off. So I don't think I can really mess this up today. I think it's pretty well done. So uh, just bear with me, and we'll keep you busy for the next two and a half hours, and then we'll let you go. How's that? But the roads will probably be clear by the time we're done. So that's the good news. All right. Um, today's world, there just seems to be a lot of division. A lack of tolerance. I think Pastor Michael Quinlan really nailed it a few weeks back. Towards those whose opinions might be different than ours. Is that fair to say? Okay. 
I also believe it's carried into us in the church. Okay? But I want to just stress in all fairness, I think it can be confusing for us as Christians. It can be, can it? Has anybody felt confusion through the, the tolerance and intolerance and conflicts that are going on out there? Okay, so I'm in the right place. That's good. And, the, and the, the point is, it can leave us with a question, how should I really conduct myself? How should I conduct myself? Because I found myself this week conducting myself in less than what God would expect from me. And I'm pretty sure that I'm not alone in that boat. When it comes to hurts, when it comes to conflict, when it comes to things that are going on, we can all be sucked into that little vacuum of uncompassion. So to answer that question, bring clarity where there may have been confusion, we're going to look at scripture. And I believe that the word of God, you should be a little happier about that, is going to clear up any confusion that we might have today. The word of God is going to clear up any confusion that we might have today. Okay, I thought that would bring a little more excitement, but maybe I'm in the wrong place. I don't know. So I just want to take a moment. Yes, Pastor Luke and Christine are very excited, probably because they need to boost their compassion. I don't know. But then I might be judging you, and I might be talking non-compassion. So please forgive me. I have to repent. So I want to take a moment and just say that we're not talking about anybody as an individual. And we're not talking to any individual. Okay? So this is the, this is the message Holy Spirit's put on our heart today. And it's going to challenge us in some areas. And that's okay because it's challenged us and I believe it's still challenging us, okay? So can we just agree that we'll just let the Holy Spirit minister us today? Because it really does come down to four words how we act, right? And you might be familiar with these four words. What would Jesus do? Oh, did he just say that? He did, he did. But as we look at scripture today, we're going to really concentrate on what Jesus did do. Okay? I'll turn that over to Pastor Karen now. So how free can you be in Jesus? How free are you willing to let him take you? It's time to go higher and higher and higher in our individual life and as a church. I'm going to challenge you a bit today with compassion we've been challenged. First, I want to say thank you to Pastor Mike Icabelli. Uh, there he is for his wonderful object lessons that he's always giving us with the balloons and everything. So today we're going to do an object lesson. We, we kind of felt there was a little bit of pressure on us to <laughs> kind of meet that, that demand, right? So we're going to have some keys to compassion and we're going to have some locks that hinder us from is, compassion. Can I put this up now? Can I? Can I? Can I? Oh yeah, you can put the lock up. So, Locks are kind of going to be shaped like this, but they're going to be different colors. So when you see something that looks like this, this is going to be a spiritual lock. Fair enough? Are you with me? We're doing okay so far, right? All right. Good job. Thank so, you, dear. From Wikipedia, from the Latin, compassion means co-suffering. I didn't know that. And there's more. When I started searching this out, I found out some things, and it was like, I didn't know that. God is so good. So an online definition of compassion from the University of California, Berkeley. Compassion literally means to suffer together. Vanna, can we have the first key? Oh. 
Obviously, uh, this is not quite what Vanna White has to put up with, but I'll just uh, persevere. How's Good that? Good job. Good job. So compassion literally means to suffer together. Um, among emotion researchers, it is defined as the feeling that arises when you are confronted with another suffering and feel motivated to relieve that suffering. Key number two. I almost forgot my cue. Relieve suffering. So now we have co-suffering, suffer together, but we also have a, a need or a desire, a desire to remove that suffering. Who does that sound like? It does, that's right. So compassion is not the same as empathy. While empathy refers more generally to our ability to feel the emotions of another person, compassion is when those feelings and thoughts include the desire to help. Way ahead of you. Number three. <laughs> the desire to help. So one of the qualities or characteristics of compassion is its helpfulness. Starting to break this down a little. So Webster's online. Compassion is the broader word. It refers to both an understanding of another's pain and a desire to somehow relieve that pain. It is the emotional response when noticing suffering along with an authentic desire to help. Empathy, on the other hand, refers to the ability to relate to another person's pain as if one has experienced that pain themselves. Empathy is the emotional experience of another person's feelings. So like, you know, sometimes you can be sitting with someone and talking with them and they're telling you a story and they begin to weep and then you begin to weep. That's empathy. You are experiencing what they are feeling as well. And that is a type and a form of connection. In other words, compassion refers to both a feeling and the action that comes from the feeling, while empathy tends to be used just for a feeling. I didn't know that. So compassion involves, key number four, compassion involves feeling for another so now you're feeling for them you're feeling what's going on with them but empathy is feeling as another meaning you're feeling as they do so there's a difference compassion has a desire to help compassion takes the empathy the love the sorrow and it puts an action to it and it steps out and sometimes our actions are can i pray with you just simply May I pray with you? That's an action, right? If we just walk away, not care, are we being compassionate? No. We have hindrances to compassion too that we're gonna to talk about. So compassion motivates people to go out of the way to help the physical, mental, or emotional pains of another and ourselves. Compassion is the desire to alleviate another's suffering. An act of compassion, again, is defined, defined by its helpfulness. Qualities of compassion are patience, kindness and perseverance, warmth and resolve. Now back to Berkeley University. Research has shown that when we feel compassion, our heart rate slows down. We secrete the bonding hormone oxytocin and regions of the brain linked to empathy, caregiving and feelings of pleasure light up, which often results in our wanting to help someone. Now, isn't it amazing how God designed the brain? You know, with all of the, with all of the uh, hormones that are going on, all of the neurons, everything's firing. 
God has designed the brain so incredibly fascinating. He's designed it to help us to be able to survive. Now, how we see a person suffering, how we see it, is how we're going to respond to it. How we see it is going to be kind of like how we treat it. So an example is with uh, addictions. If we see addiction as a sin, our treatment plan will be, well, just remove the sin. Just repent. However, if we see an addiction as a disease, our treatment plan will be just treat the disease. But actually, it's both. In the book of James, it's James 1, 13 to 15. It can start out as a temptation. Then it moves to a lust. Then it moves to sin, which leads to death. And that's like the sin leads to a disease, which leads to death. So drinking alcohol, right? Drinking, having a drink, that's not a sin. When it turns, it can turn, not always, but it can turn into a lust. Then it can turn into sin. And the sin leads to disease, which is alcoholism, right? And then that can lead to death. But in Canada, the only people that can diagnose an addiction is, an, is a psychiatrist. We can't say, oh, you have an addiction. Only a psychiatrist can diagnose that. People often know within themselves, though, whether they do or not. Now, how about when it comes to compassion from someone who has repeated relapses? Okay, so they're in and out, in and out, in and out. Can we kind of sometimes start to lose our compassion? And I'm not talking about enabling, right? Enabling is doing something for someone that they can do for themselves. So I'm talking about just how can we keep our compassion when we're in situations that really challenge us, right? So now let's take a look at compassion. It has three major requirements. Number one, luck number one. People must feel that the trouble that produces their feelings of compassion are serious troubles. So if it's something really, really fri frivolous, we'll go, well, I'm not gonna have compassion here, right? We kind of write the person off. So it's like someone's going in for a triple bypass and you treat it like it's a hangnail. Right? Like, and you might go, oh, they do those so regularly now. But the truth is, it's a serious operation. Like, any operation is serious. But we won't have compassion if we see that triple bypass as a hangnail. Right? Number two, compassion consists of the understanding that the sufferer's troubles are not self-inflicted. So if we see it as, you brought that on yourself, it's your fault, we're hard-hearted and lack compassion. So we have to be able to see it as Jesus sees it, okay? So no matter how they got in that situation, let's have some love and compassion and help them get out of it, if they want. Number three, com thank you. Compassion consists of the ability to picture oneself with the same problems in a non-blaming and non-shaming manner. So that means we're not going to shame them, blame them, all the comments and stuff we would like to say or we might be thinking. We won't judge them. Yeah, lock two, self-inflicted. Lock three, blame and shame. Thank you. Who says you can't train a man? <laughs> <laughs> so when someone, a Christian, tells us that they've been ill for three years with arthritis in their feet or they have a pain in their back or they're taking anti-depression meds, what do you immediately think when they tell you that? What's your first thought? You're sitting there talking with someone. What do you think? 
what you're thinking is gonna show whether you have compassion to that person or not. Do we write them off like their problem's not serious? Do we just pat them on the back and say, hmm, they're there, you know, it, it could be worse. Or you shouldn't feel that way. Or let me give you some advice. If we see their suffering as not serious, are we really able to respond with compassion? No. Will we be able to be helpful? Well, I don't know, probably not. Eh, maybe, maybe a little. Do we judge them? Number four, lock number four is judgment. Do we judge them like they did something to deserve the problem? Do we look at them like you just have a lack of faith? Do we have to um, give them scriptures in order to, not that it's wrong to give scriptures, but in order to kind of tell them which way to go or correct the problem? You know, if you wanna tell me something, please be direct with me. Because if I walk away going, were they trying to tell me something? I'm not gonna get it. So if you really wanna tell me something, go ahead, I can take it. Just tell me, just be direct, hey, you know, and then let me know what it is. I don't wanna walk away wondering, I wonder if they were trying to tell me something. Doesn't that get you, eh? Or did I say something wrong? Like, what happened? What just happened there? I just want you to remember that when I asked for the TV remote. <laughs> I do like the TV remote. <laughs> uh, many years ago, I visited a young lady who was, um, she was dying of lung cancer. And she accepted the Lord as her savior. And she had been involved in, she smoked a lot of cigarettes and smoked a lot of pot and she had been an exotic dancer. So she got saved, but she honestly believed that it was her fault, that she was in the condition she was in because of the cigarettes and because of the pot. And she said, you know, it's, for whatever reason, she could not get it through her mind that, you know, God forgives your past um, and God wants to heal you. So she ended up dying of lung cancer. And there was a number of us that went and talked to her, prayed with her and ministered to her but it was just kind of sad. She's in heaven though. I really believe she's in heaven. She accepted Jesus, but she just couldn't get over that, that she brought it on herself and she does not deserve God's healing. So if any of you are thinking, you know, I brought this on myself, God wants to heal you, period. That's what the word says. The word doesn't say, well, if you brought it on yourself, I'm not gonna heal you, right? So let's have some compassion for the people who are suffering, who are sick. Thank you. Do we walk away and tell people what a person shared with us in confidence? The purpose of, thank you for that. The purpose of gossip is to put shame on another person, but compassion is being able to see that person's problem in a non-blaming and non-shaming manner, manner. And who does that with us? It's Jesus. Jesus does that with us. And he took our sins and our diseases and everything as serious. How much more serious is being willing to die on the cross? He gave his life for us. That's compassion. That's salvation. In action. That is salvation. Amen. So Miriam Webster online, here's the opposites of compassion. Callousness cold-heartedness, hard-heartedness, and heartlessness. So lock number five is hard-heartedness. And any of us can operate in hard-heartedness at one time or another, for whatever reason, for whatever lock we're in, for whatever's going on in our life, sometimes just too busy, you know? But we wanna be challenged today to walk with compassion. I love compassionate people. 
because they're non-judgmental. They let me be a human with my own stuff that's going on. Just let me be who I am. And, you know, if I need to make amends or apologize to you, I'll do it. Not that I haven't had to do that either, you know? Jesus showed compassion. Not only does he feel as another with empathy, empathy, but for another with compassion. He understands a person's pain and suffering and has the desire and the ability to alleviate the pain, the suffering, the depression, the sickness, whatever it is. Jesus took action and he still does. He died so we could have an abundant life. So as we look at scripture, we're going to explore six common themes of Jesus' compassion. Is that fair enough? The number one is compassion for the lost. In Mark 34, uh, 634 and Matthew 936, we see that we read, uh, when, he, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as a sheep having no shepherd. In the book of Mark, we see in verse 34 of uh, chapter 6, Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude. And he was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. See, when we're out there lost, Jesus does things for us. And to categorize or summarize it, Jesus saw, Jesus was moved with compassion, Jesus felt, and then Jesus did. Let me say that again. Jesus saw, Jesus was moved, Jesus felt, and then Jesus did. There's four little simple points that if you get those down in your heart, it's going to help you with your walk with compassion towards others. You see, compassion will move you to do something for those you might not normally do. Jesus simply put it this way. Jesus just did it this way. He fulfilled a need, if I put it that way. Sorry, I got tangled up there. He did. Jesus did. Jesus moved for the lost sheep by surrendering his life and his blood on the cross to provide forgiveness for our sins. He did. He rose from the dead to show victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. He did. He told us in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And some translations say eternal light, but that's not what I'm gonna be hung up. Uh, I wanna be really making the point here is the goal is salvation because salvation brings compassion. Can I be as bold as to say it this way? Can I be bold this morning? Oh, I'm gonna be anyway, so thank you for that permission. Salvation is a lifestyle of change. We're changing. People are changing around us. Life is changing. It's an ongoing process, but Jesus always had the lost in mind. He always had the lost in mind. And he always, always had compassion for them. Do you know his compassion in your life today? Good. Do you have compassion for those who are lost in sin? Or do you look at them and say, or make excuses, or maybe even just write them off? Because we're gonna talk about a parable in a little bit, and 
there was some pretty high up religious people that actually walked to the other side of the road when the parable of the Good Samaritan. Do we walk to the other side of the road or do we get in and help if Jesus is telling us? I love what Brad said up there. I felt like he was preaching the message actually, but that's okay, we forgive him. We have compassion on him. But the point that he said was, pick up the phone, but he said, too many times we sit there and stew alone rather than listening to what the Holy Spirit is trying to guide us to do. We walk to the other side of the road. So remember, church, you and I were once lost as they are today, okay? And it's our job to tell them that there is forgiveness in Jesus. Salvation is the key. Amen. Speaking of keys, do you know how most keys have a little serial number at the top? Little numbers there. Do you notice what our serial number is? John 3.16. Kind of cute, eh? <laughs> I had to tell you, though. Jesus had compassion for the sick. Matthew 14.14. 14. When he went ashore, he saw a large, large crowd and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. Feeling, action. Mark 1.41. Moved with compassion. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. And that's about the leper that Brian's going to be talking about that shortly. Jesus loves people, like period. He was moved with compassion for the sick. You know, we have opportunities to pray for people in department stores, in parking lots, in church. Like wherever we are, there are sick people, right? May I pray with you? And people who, who don't know Jesus like in restaurants and stuff and waitresses, whatever, they're, they're op like, yeah. Like it's their touch that we care. And we do care. When we ask, we, we do care. So Matthew 8, 16 and 17. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Compassion, feeling, action. In Matthew 15, 32, as well as Mark uh, 8, 1, Jesus felt compassion for the people because he had remained with him for three days and had nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry. Number three key is compassion for the hungry. Jesus saw, Jesus was moved with compassion, Jesus felt, and then Jesus did. He made sure they were fed. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, we talk, it talks about the temptation of Jesus. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. So Jesus knows a little bit about hungry after fasting for 40 days. There's probably no other human that's fasted that much other than maybe Moses, according to the Bible. And I don't know if there's anybody that's done it in the natural form or not, but if they are, please forgive me for not including them. Thank you. Jesus, before he preached his first sermon or taught his first lesson, went into the wilderness and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. The Bible tells us afterwards that he was hungry. It's pretty, not, it's pretty natural, I would think. He knew that hunger felt like physically, and unfortunately, too many in this world that we live in today do as well. They're living on garbage and trash of others. And there are some countries, unfortunately, where families literally live in the dump, scouring for food, just to eat, just to survive. Many have more than they could ever need, and all too often, 
Food is wasted and poured back into, our, into the ground. That's what we call our dumps. Yet so many around the globe continue to go to bed hungry every night, night after night. It's heartbreaking to see a child going hungry, and it's even sadder to see an older person who's going without food for whatever the reason. We should have compassion on the hungry because Jesus did, and he still does. An example of compassion here locally is the Windsor Life Center. Mm. Pastor Kathy was moved with compassion when she heard the stories, when she heard about what happened and was going on in the women's lives. Now, Windsor Life Center is a drug and alcohol rehabilitation home for women, in case you haven't heard of it. And Pastor Kathy did not know I was gonna say that, but that was just such a powerful example. And her testimony is so amazing about that. Um, Jesus also had compassion for the blind. And for time's sake, I'm just going to read that um, two blind men were sitting by the road and they heard Jesus coming and they cried out and Jesus said, well, what do you want? And they said, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened. Move with compassion. Jesus touched their eyes and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. There's also a spiritual blindness that Jesus wants to heal you of. And all we have to do is come to him and ask him and we can start to get to see him and know him. Number five is compassion on the unclean. In Mark 1, chap, uh, chapter 1, verses 40 to 42, Jesus actually cleanses a leopard. And we see in verse 40, now a leopard came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. That's also a statement of faith, by the way. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him, and he said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. You see, Jesus saw, Jesus felt, Jesus was moved with compassion, Jesus touched, and Jesus cleansed the leprosy. See, Jesus touches people that others won't. Jesus touched me when people were afraid of me. Jesus might have touched some of you when, he, when you, others were afraid of you. Jesus touched people when others shun them. I, my question is, how do we feel about those same people? Are we shunning people that others are shunning? Or are we reaching out and touching? Because, you see, we can either see that as an opportunity, or we can see that as an obstacle. And we have to push through the obstacle to take advantage of the opportunity. See, under the law, the Mosaic law, a leopard had a skin disease and resulted in a person becoming ceremonially unclean and excluded them from the community. In fact, they weren't even permitted in the camp in the Old, in the Old Testament. See, it's leprosy is an affliction. It makes, us, it makes the body physically unclean. And many times it's caused by rebellion. We see an example of that. Uh, Miriam, in Numbers 12, she was actually speaking against Moses and the actions of Moses, I won't get into it, but more or less God had put Moses as the head deliverer of Israel, and they were kind of, or the leader of Israel, and Aaron and Miriam were his brothers and sisters, and they felt like they weren't being used enough. And God corrected her, and he withdrew his spirit in a cloud, it says, and then leprosy came on her. But let me tell you the good news. 
Jesus has compassion on the unclean of the world. That ought to be a little happier. That ought to bring a little bit more response. And especially the unclean in spirit. His blood cleanses us from all, all uncleanliness. That's key six. It's up. Oh, way ahead of me. Jesus also has compassion for the sorrowful. And in the Bible, in Luke 7, 11 to 17, Jesus raises the son of the widow of Nain. I'm just going to read a couple of these. Um, verse 13, when the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her and said, do not go on weeping. And he came up and touched the coffin, and the bearers came to a halt. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. He even began to speak. He sat up and began to speak. I wonder what he said. Did he say thank you? Did he glorify God? Did he say I'm hungry? I wonder what he said. It doesn't say, but the Bible is clear to say. Jesus said, arise, he sat up, and he spoke. That's a lie. So the Bible is very clear that Jesus felt compassion for the widow, right? Because her husband had already passed. She's a widow. And now her only son had passed away. So he said, like, don't weep. Don't cry. And he raised her son from the dead. Wow. Uh, Jesus had compassion. Uh, as God, sorry, as God has compassion, so too are we as Christians to have compassion or be compassionate. In Colossians 3, 2, it says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion. Oh boy, there's that word again. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Compassion of the Father. The Bible is very clear that God is compassionate. Now, this is something that I had trouble with because I saw God as being more uh, stern and... Um, like a more of a hard taskmaster. I didn't see him the way that the Bible says, right? My image of who he was needed to change. And the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and God of all comfort. Psalm 116, 5, the Lord is gracious and righteous, our God is full of compassion, right? So he feels and has action. Psalm 86, 15, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow Thanks, to anger, slow to anger. I would picture him as whoop, whoop, made a mistake, whoop, that's it. That's not the way he is. He's slow to anger abounding in love and faithfulness. And it actually says that God is love. Skip something on me here. Okay, <laughs> I thought you were doing the prodigal son. You're not doing it? Um, she's holding audible on me here, so I got Okay, First Peter 3, 8 is... Finally, to all you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Boy, when they, when they were doing this series on pride, that sure hit some, some, some sore spots for me. I don't know about anybody here, but be compassionate and humble. So pride 
and compassion will be working against one another. Number seven is humility. And because as God is compassionate, we are to be compassionate. So Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Okay, so we're going to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan, as I promised you earlier, and I always come through on my promises, okay? five minutes. And in Luke 10, 25 to 37, I'm not going to read it all, but I want to concentrate on the attitude and the mindset. It says it was a certain lawyer who stood up and tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? Because the lawyer isn't a lawyer like we think of lawyers today. A lawyer was an expert in the Mosaic law. Okay, so he wasn't somebody that went around in our court system today. He was somebody that was an expert of the law of Moses, okay? As long as we got that. So he said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? What's your interpretation of it? And so the lawyer answered him and he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. That is key number eight, love God. See, the young lawyer, or the lawyer, I keep calling him young, but he might have been old for all I know. But anyways, he knew what the law said. But did he do what the law said? Because he's already testing Jesus as it is. Why is he testing Jesus? Do we ever test God? Okay. <laughs> and then he goes on to say, with all your mind and with uh, also love your neighbor as yourself. That's key number nine. Love your neighbor. And then he said, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But it's interesting because he also asked Jesus to justify him, or it says in verse 29, he wanting to justify himself, a lawyer wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? So now that Jesus has the line drawn, he wants to draw and split the line. That's like a good lawyer today, but I'm not going there. If, I'm, if you're a lawyer, please don't be offended with me. That's just, just making humor. He said, who is my neighbor? And what was kind of interesting is Jesus didn't come back and tell him. Jesus told him a story. He said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, departed, leaving him half dead. By now, a chance, a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. The priest went to the other side of the road. Likewise, a Levite, who arrived at the place where he, uh, where he came and looked at the, and passed by the other side as well. Okay, That's lock number six. They walked away. When they had the opportunity to go to the man in need, they walked to the other side of the road. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came from where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him, bandaged his wound, poured oil and wine on him. He set him on his own ample, animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. And he said, take care of him, and whatever, you, uh, whatever more you spend, when I come back again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? 
And of course, the lawyer says, he who showed mercy, and Jesus' response was <laughs> kind of right to the point. It's like getting hit with a sledgehammer. He says, go and do likewise. So my point in this is, he wasn't just talking to the lawyer that day. He's talking to you and I. So the Good Samaritan is, might be a popular and powerful parable, but it teaches the foundation of what it means to live a Christian life. But do we keep the spirit of the Good Samaritan? Because I fall short. Do we put into practice key lessons that it represents? You see, Jesus explained that the way to eternal life is to love God and your neighbors as yourself. He was questioning about the definition of lawyers. Do we ever question God about his definition of telling us to do something or his direction for us to do something? But the lawyer, he just tested him again. He wanted to know. He wanted a way out. He wanted to know if he was approved or if he had done good enough as it was. At that time, Samaritan Jews, they were enemies. They weren't people that associated with each other. And I think when we just look at this, we can draw four main points out of this whole parable. And the message is, we're to love even if. Even if. In love, and uh, the first one I want to talk about is love your neighbor as yourself means love everyone. The Samaritan, again, they were, uh, and the fallen men were enemies in this world standard, but Jesus doesn't ask anything of us that's based on worldly standard. Jesus is not too concerned about what's going on in Ottawa or Washington or Facebook or Instagram or any of that thing. His instructions are pretty clear as I read it. He doesn't care if we allowed hate in our hearts. He's made it very clear that we're to love one another. Boy, those were words I had to chew on pretty hard this week. Even if. In John 13, 34, he says, love one another. He says, everyone will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. He actually said we must love one another, but stopping to help the hurt man, the Samaritan, showed the kind of love that we are all called to show. When we reach out in love and kindness towards those the world tells us to hate, we show our love for Jesus, and we show that Jesus is in us. Number two, helping the person who needs help is helping Christ. Number three, the only thing that matters is what we do. The Samaritan likely had things to do. He was on a regular route by the sounds of it. Probably had places to go. He had a life. He had obligations. He may have been inconvenienced to help the hurt man, but he didn't stop. He put his life aside. He put his schedule aside. He put his agenda aside for the moment, and he did what was required to make sure the man got the help that he needed. How many of us are helping people that need our help? When God calls, do we listen? Oh, when he said that, Brad, I'm, he was preaching my message. But that's okay. Do we listen when the Holy Spirit guides us? When he puts a circumstance in our path, do we walk around it or do we walk to it? Because the priest and the Levite in that parable, they walked around it, but the Samaritan walked to it. Are we a priest and a Levite or are we a Samaritan? Are we a good Samaritan? Because we're called to be good Samaritans. Or do we let our obligations and worldly cares and wishes get in the way of loving our neighbors? Because Jesus 
asked of us that we would love one another. Block number seven is too busy. That's your job. No, it's your job. I got it right here in my notes. Karen puts it up. I just want to tell a little story very quickly. And we're, we're running late, but... Um, well, that's because you made you wrote it out. I know because I wrote it here. There was a there's a young man that when I first got involved in mentoring people and and you know in the church, he he, he was struggling with a, a, a drugs. He was struggling with alcohol. He was struggling with some hard, pretty hard drugs. I'm not going to start naming drugs, but he wanted help. So I met with him for about three hours, and I just talked to him and I shared my story and I shared how God works in our lives and how he sh could understand and feel the, the power and the healing of Jesus. And he walked away from me that day after three and a half hours. You know, and I thought, wow, that went well. You sure about this, God? So about a month or so later, might have been a couple months, I've lost track of time, to be honest with you. He called me at three o'clock in the morning. Now, I don't recommend everybody answer their phone at three o'clock in the morning because... This one worked out, but there's some times that people called me that late in the morning, I found some things about my heritage that I didn't know. But in this case, he wanted help. He had been in a, in a, in a, in a bad situation. He was high on drugs. His wife was panicking at home. He was panicking about driving. So I prayed with him, called his wife, had him on the phone on speaker as he drove home. He got home. I went over on the following Saturday, spent couple hours with him and his wife. He submitted his heart to Jesus. He got saved on a following Sunday. That next Sunday, the next day, he got baptized. They're living a clean life today. He's never gone back to drugs. His marriage has been saved. And I have to ask myself, what if I wouldn't have picked up that phone that night? And I don't, again, I don't say that you should pick it up every time, but there are divine setups and appointments. Number four, and the final one, don't search for a reward. So it's about not doing something just because we're going to get something from it, or we're going to be seen, or we're going to try to impress someone. But do it because knowing that our actions are pleasing to God by caring for his people. But remember, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The last key, and this is the master key, and it's, it's designated in red just for this purpose, is salvation. You see, without having the spirit of Jesus living in us, we can't have compassion for others. We got too much flesh alive in ourselves without having that salvation in us. Without the heart of Jesus in us, we can't look at people and feel compassion for them. We can't relate to struggles because we're too busy in our own little world but you know, Jesus has never refused. Jesus never looked at anybody and refused. He told you the truth and you did it or you didn't do it. And if you walked away, that was your choice. Maybe you're struggling today with compassion. Have you seen individuals as problems or possibly as divine opportunities? Because I'm gonna tell you something. God doesn't put things in pretty packages sometimes. God puts things in some pretty rough packages as it comes, as it comes right down to it. I'd be one of them. If that's you and you've been struggling and you just find that maybe you just haven't had that 
desire and that fire in your heart, would you stand with me now? Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? And we ask the Holy Spirit just to bear witness with you. And as we release and rekindle the fire of compassion in each heart tonight, Father, and each, each one here in the sound of my voice, Father, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, Father, and I pray, I pray the words that were spoken today would be the voice the sheep hear here today. Lord, help us to see through the uncomfortability in situations, appointments, and people that you put in our path. Lord, I'm praying you minister to each heart right now and just stir a fire and a passion, a compassion for the lost, for the hurting, and for those out in our world that need Jesus as their savior. And if you don't know Jesus today, I can't stop and close this without asking you, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today? Because if today was the last day on earth and you were to pass away, do you know where you're going? Do you know where you're going? Can you say for sure, I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven? If you can answer that question with a definite yes, you don't need to listen to me anymore. But if you can't, if you can't say 100% without any hesitation or any doubt, then I'm asking you right now that you would bow your head to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and repeat with me, because Romans 10, verse 9 says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You see, it's pretty simple. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you will be saved. Father, repeat with me. You know what? You don't even have to repeat. Just come up with me. I'm just going to pray this prayer over all of us. Lord, thank you for dying on that cross for me. I thank you that you took my sins, that you came that I would have compassion, that I would have a heart for the sick, for the hurting. And Father, I just thank you that I can ask Jesus into my heart right now and you can clean me up and I can leave it at your cross. Just a reminder, if you're hearing, if you're struggling, if the Holy Spirit's directing you, Brad said it eloquently, pick up the phone. It's pretty simple. God's trying to get our attention. Pick up the phone. And what better way to do that than the lighthouse prayer tomorrow? Because the focus is on healing. And if you'd like to get involved, the ushers have cards. You can see them on the way out. They're more than happy to direct you and help you to get involved with the lighthouse. Because you see, passion starts with a prayer to have more compassion. Compassion will lead us into a deeper prayer life, but it starts with taking a step of prayer. See, Jesus saw. Jesus was moved with compassion, and then Jesus did. Is he calling you maybe to a lighthouse prayer? Or maybe you just need to get on to prayer to ignite that compassion in you. Because what they said in the, in the song there, this is a house of miracles. Amen. I want you to say with me, this is a house this, of miracles. This is a house of miracles.
And my house is a house of miracles. My house is a house of miracles. Well, this has been a lot of fun today. I know it's not like balloons and popping and all that kind of stuff, but thank you, Pastor Michael. <laughs> thank you, all the staff here. You know, give everybody a hand because you guys make this look so easy. It just flows. We just have had a great time. Thank you for your love. Pastor Brian. Oh, before I do that, I just want to summarize. Key number one is to suffer together. <laughs> Key number two is relieve suffering. Key number three is desire to be helped. Key number four is feeling for another. Lock one is frivolous trouble. Lock two is self-inflicted. Lock three is blame and shame. Lock four is judgment. Lock five is hard-heartedness. Lock five is forgiveness. Lock six, key six is blood, and, blood of Jesus. Key seven is humility. Key eight is the love of God. Key nine is the love of your neighbor. Key lock six was too busy to walk and walk away. And key 10 was selfishness. And again, key number 11, salvation. Oh, sorry, you are dismissed. Brian, Pastor Brian's not about How's it going, Sarah? Good. How, was, how are you? How was service, Nate? It was good. It was good. Yeah. What did you fun. learn today? And so what we have learned, you know what? Pastor, you know. Thank you. So <laughs> Pastor, Pastor Brian and Karen, I've known them for a really long time, but the more that I'm growing up as an individual, I'm getting to know them better and more of a peer sense. I'm learning that their brains are like highly intelligent people obviously just to talk to them you know that but the way that they study out things and they process things it's it's my favorite when they're preaching because I, I feel like I'm like okay where's like I was kind of a little bit upset because I, I was on camera so I didn't have my notes but I have to go back and take notes because I know there's so much like scientific fact and like how the brain is wired and how this is and this but how there's so many different steps to like in between compassion right mm -hmm. so I thought that was kind of interesting yeah, and I just love how they broke down uh, Jesus' responses yeah. to uh, how he was moved by compassion yeah. and the things he accomplished through that compassion. That's right. I, th I just thought it was really amazing how if we want to be like Jesus, we want to emulate Jesus the best we can, let's be moved by compassion. You know, Speaking it's a pretty simple thing. Simple but hard. Speaking of people that are like Jesus. Hey. <laughs> good plug. I saw that. Hi. Hey. Look who we have today. It's my good friend, Marsha Mulder. All right, are you good? Everyone can see her? Okay, so we were talking about, obviously, what we learned in service today. And what was, like, one point that you thought was, like, because I feel like the way that they had broken it down is very intellectual. Like, you did a really good job with that. Um, but what was one point that you took away from the message today? Well, like you said, they did say a whole lot. We're going to switch sides. Yeah, sorry. But really what I took away was the difference between compassion and empathy. Mm. Yeah. Because compassion is to be moved, you know, when someone is hurting or in That's pain right. and motivates you to do something. Mm -hmm. yeah. Whereas empathy is just, oh, I feel sorry for them, but not really doing anything. That's right. So that's kind of what I mainly took away from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. So I, I, I struggle with this sometimes is like, like here, let's give you an example. This isn't something that's happening currently, but this is something that's definitely happened okay. in the past where like a friend of mine will like somebody and they'll be like, Woo -do -woo -do, all these things about them. And then the person is just not interested in them or whatever. And then they're like devastated. For me, <laughs> I'm like, I don't feel sorry for you. Like, it's Get okay. <laughs> Move on with your life. 
you're fine. You're like, the, you're I'm sorry. <laughs> I, you're okay. Like, this isn't the end of the world. Like, suck it up, Buttercup. And I know, and there's so many moments where Brian has even said to me, like, uh, this is a Sarah thing. You gotta, That's funny. you know, and I, I know it's a weakness in my life. But I always think about, like, why do I have issues being, being compassionate? Like, why is that something I struggle with? Because my parents are both very highly compassionate people. And sometimes I think it just comes down to, like, now this is not good, but I think sometimes it's just an inconvenience. <laughs> it is. Because not only do you have to look at the other person and say, like, my heart is with you, but you have to, like, let yourself up open up emotionally and be vulnerable with that person in order to be able, like they said today, uh, having empathy, having compassion is that connection with someone else. So I can't be compassionate for you if I'm not vulnerable with you. Yeah. So I think that's probably where I, wow, I just counseled myself. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've, I've always found compassion a very easy thing in my life. Yeah. Just because I've always worn my heart on my sleeve. Yeah. But almost, in Today, it taught me that compassion with the love of God, doing okay. it Jesus' way, will change people's lives, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can have compassion for somebody, and that's 100% okay. That's 100% good. But if I'm not bringing that character of Jesus along with that compassion, I know compassion is a character of mm -hmm. Jesus, yeah. but you know what I'm saying? I hear you. I, I've been in situations where I, I have a compassion for somebody, I move for them, and then it falls into a cycle almost of abuse yeah. where they're abusing me because they know I'll do <laughs> yeah. what they ask yeah. or, yeah. you know, advantage. taking advantage yeah. of me. Um, so it's funny. It's nice to have a balance sometimes of tiptoeing the line of right. I need to be compassionate, but I need to have my my lines too you know <laughs> yeah i see what sarah was saying too you know thank you uh, i can relate because sometimes there are people that are so dramatic yeah. that they can take advantage or if they know you have a heart of compassion mm -hmm. they're always running and looking for something yeah so there is a difference yes but you know like god wants us to have compassion even yes. though we don't feel like it sometimes mm -hmm. You know, like the scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave. It's almost like he gave no matter what for us. Right. It didn't matter what we look like, what we did, where mm -hmm. we come from, how dramatic we were. God always had compassion. Right. Yes. And so I think that's kind of what he's calling us to do. Yeah. 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 Well, it, it even makes sense as far as like us in our Christian walk and how we're not perfect. You know, mm -hmm. we serve a perfect God. We know we've experienced his goodness, we've tasted and seen, mm -hmm. yet sometimes we sin or we mess up yeah. or we metaphorically slap him in the face and yeah. say, no, God, your way is not good enough. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. And, you know, he's always reaching out. He's always there for us. He's always mm -hmm. there to lift us up. Yeah. And <laughs> just having that patience for people as well in our, walk, our Christian walk, um, I think is important too, because God, how much patience has God had for us? You know? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and I think too, like time and time again, I mean, we, we learn, like, even what Nathan said, like, he is a really compassionate person, mm -hmm. and there are people out there, unfortunately, that have taken advantage of him, but that doesn't mean that he stops being that way, right? Like, he still is, because that's a gift that he has, but I think for all of us too, we need to know just because we act one way, if, if people, you know, mistreat us in that area, is that we still continue to be that way. And I think that comes with, like, a level of bravery to be able to be, um, like, ha like have your heart available for people have that compassion open for people because I think that's too like sometimes like compassion isn't a free handout mm -hmm. for people just to continue to take and take it's like no you need to have that understanding that that person is there for you but not to like run them over like dry them out you know yeah, yeah. that's yeah, true yeah
Yeah, I'm so compassionate. That he is really compassionate. <laughs> Angie's really nice, pregnant. Yeah. Her belly's getting bigger and bigger, and I just keep getting bigger and bigger too for her. It's for her. <laughs> You're sharing compassionate in the wealth, right? weight. <laughs> yeah. He gave a couple examples of compassion too, like Pastor Kathy having a heart for people or That's the women right. that have addiction. So she opened the women's home. And with that, I thought of WL. Oh, too, like yes. the food bank. Yep. You know, because if somebody's hungry, you can say, oh, be filled or be fed. Yep. But if you don't give them food, then you don't really have compassion. Yep. So what I really took away with it is compassion comes with motivation yeah. to move or to do. That's yeah. right. You know, mm -hmm. so. I love that. Mm -hmm. That's so good. And I, I like, too, how they use the, the analogies, like the object lesson of the keys and the locks. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like, you know, you could do like point one, two, three, four, five, but it's a real good like visual understanding to be like, okay, this is the lock that we have ahead of us. Mm -hmm. What do we need to be able to access that? Like, what are the tools that we need to be able to? So I encourage you, if you if you maybe missed that element today, go through you know go through what Pastor Brian and Karen talked about and write out those points because I think that's going to open up your eyes to a lot more exactly. understanding into what it means to be a compassionate person because it's not like I don't think it's just an overnight switch you know like it, you know we were talking about pride a little while ago and we're talking about some really big issues that are of sure. the heart and this is something that you know God longs for us to be people like compassionate and so that in the long run we can better love the church and encourage others to reach out and to be the hand of Christ yeah yeah for sure and I'm speaking from experience in this point of mm -hmm. it's so important to have that in tune relationship with God and the Holy Spirit and That's Jesus right. because you, you are we are not a well that won't run dry right, right. we need Jesus because right. if we're giving of ourselves and we have compassion for the homeless we have compassion to feed people we have compassion to clothe people we have compassion to visit people in prison we can't do that on our own strength right. we can't do that on our own might that's but right. that we need to be plugged into the our uh, source the well that's that right. doesn't run dry right Okay. One of the keys, too, he said, was John 3, 16. Mm. Yeah. You know, we, we're called to be like Christ and to follow after Christ. And it says, God so loved the world that he gave, yeah. you know, his only begotten son. And God's not calling for us to give our life necessarily for someone, but just to give, you know, to help someone that's struggling, someone that's in need, mm -hmm. you know, to have compassion and just show the love of God to those. That's what God's calling us to do. Amen. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. And if you, I mean, I think that, Something that happens to me, I don't know about you guys, where when you're talking about a subject, like last time we were talking about pride, uh, then you're that week working on it. Like mm -hmm. it's like, a, you know, when they say, God, help me be a more peaceful person. And then your house burns down, you know, like it's like, so, it's like something like that. So I just want to encourage you this week, you know, yeah. we're talking about compassion. Maybe that you just haven't had that awareness to be able to look and see, am I even a compassionate person? Do I think about others? Do I want to be there for others? Like, open your eyes this week to situations around you and see if God's giving you an opportunity to reach out, to that's be compassionate, right. you know, to talk to someone. Um, that's something that I've been really working on doing. If I'm thinking mm -hmm. about someone, like, you know, someone just passes my mind. I don't think that's coincidental. Like, if I'm vacuuming the closet and I think of Angie, like, like you know, maybe Angie needs a, an encouraging word. Maybe Angie needs a funny, funny picture. I don't know. But it's like God puts things in our minds if we're listening to he quickens our spirit That's to be able true. to reach out to them when maybe they didn't realize that they were even needing something right so yeah. just be aware of that today or this this week even uh, open your eyes and your ears and your senses to what God's calling you to do that's true there's always people in need that's always sure. somebody there is. yeah I forget who said it but they always oh it was a friend of mine he said Lord <laughs> it's Lord today show me the sick Lord yeah. today show me the hungry okay. Lord today show me the one who needs a hug or whatever the love of God that's right. and if you ask for that God will show you the people he will and it might not be path. that's right and it might not be who you're 
thinking. expecting. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he's there for you, man. Amen. All right. Well, awesome. do we have any words in closing? We can wrap her up. Be good. Be compassionate. <laughs> Be compassionate. Be compassionate. Be inspired. Ooh, wow. Thanks. Close it. That's okay. it. <laughs> well, guys, that's all we have for you today. Thank you so much for joining us. We love having mm -hmm. you on the After 9 show with us. For everybody else, we will see you tomorrow at the Lighthouse. And I am Sarah, my friend, and this guy over here. Mr. Workman. <laughs> have the best Sunday of your life. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye.